courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. <laughs> Learn about adopting a team from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. You might want to sleep on the last week of August, a typical dog day of summer kind of week. But look at that economic calendar. This is not a week to ignore. Welcome to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. Paul Vigna with Ben Eisen here in the studio. Ben, how are you? Good. How are you, Paul? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, my friend. And joining us on the phone to talk about what is coming up, we have Gus Fauché, who is the chief economist at PNC Financial Services Group. Gus, how are you? Uh, good, thank you. So, you know, when we started thinking about this week, I my my immediate uh, thought was, oh, God, the last week of August, it's such a dead week, there's nothing going on. But then I looked at the economic calendar, and there is a lot going on. That, that's right. So we've got uh, the second report on second quarter GDP. We expect to see an upward revision there to 2.9% growth. And then mm-hmm. we've got the employment report at the end of the week. September 1st. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting employment report. Or or will it be, though? I mean, it seems like we've sort of gotten a lot, a lot of the same over the last few months where you have continued strong job growth, the unemployment rate's really low, and yet uh, wages have just been moving along at their same sluggish to moderate uh, growth pace. You think we get a, a shift this time around? I, I think it's going to look uh, pretty similar to what we've been been seeing so far in 2017, and for that matter, what we saw in 2016. So job growth of about 160,000. That's a little bit weaker than what we've had, but certainly, uh, you know, roughly consistent with with job growth over the past year and a half or so. Uh, unemployment rate's going to remain low at 4.3 percent, which is its lowest in, since 2001, uh, and then a slight increase in average hourly earnings. So we expect to see a wage increase of about 0.2 percent over. Over the month, you know, up about two and a half percent over the year. Um, we'd frankly like to see stronger wage growth. I think that, given the tightness of the labor market, it's a little surprising we haven't seen wages pick up more. But certainly, that's faster than inflation, so that's good news for consumer spending. Yeah, Gus. You know, it seems like it's been forever since we've been promised faster wage growth because the employment market looks so good. And it really has not happened. I mean, is there something structural going on there that is that is holding wages down? I think there are a few things that are going on. First of all, we did see a big uh, acceleration in wage growth in the early stages of the labor market recovery. Um, it's more recently, over the past year and a half or so, that we've seen wage growth stall at about 2.5% year over year. Um, but there are a few factors that are holding wage growth back. Productivity growth is low, output per worker. So uh, if we think that businesses are going to be paying their workers what they produce, then, then weaker productivity growth means slower wage growth. Inflation is low. That's holding wages down. And then also we have the the well-paid baby boomers retiring, and then we have younger workers uh, coming up into the labor force. And so that's also weighing on measured wage growth. Uh, And that sounds, I mean, baby boomers retiring sounds pretty structural. That's right. I could be wrong, but that sounds pretty structural. Yeah, but I do think that we, we will see some stronger wage growth as the job market continues to tighten. We've had, you know, the unemployment rate now at 4.3%. I think businesses are finding it more and more difficult to, to hire workers. And so I think they are going to respond to that by raising pay later in 2017 and then into 2018. Yeah. Let's talk about the GDP GDP report for a second. So if you get two nine for the second quarter, 
Uh, I'm trying to think of what the first quarter was offhand. I was somewhere around one, a little more than that, right? I mean, uh, I think it's about one six, yeah. Right, right. So the first half, again, you're looking at something that is roughly around two percent. I mean, GDP doesn't seem to be moving. The needle doesn't seem to be moving there at all. Yeah, no, I mean, that's close to what we've seen throughout the economic re- recovery. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, GDP growth of around 2 or 2 and a quarter percent a year. Um, again, I think that's being held back by weak productivity growth and then also slow labor force growth. So we have the baby boomers retiring. We have smaller age cohorts coming into, into the labor force. And so that's, uh, that's what we're seeing there. And so I think it's, you know, it's unlikely that at this point, given that the expansion is now more than eight years old, that we're going to see a significant acceleration in GDP growth. And I think one other interesting data point we get is on Thursday, I believe, we have PCE, which includes, this is personal income and out, outlays, which includes the, the PCE price index, which is the Fed's favored and Inflation measure that that will give us another indication of, of of what's happening with inflation beyond wages and I don't know is there a sense that perhaps we could get PCE which has sort of trended down in the last couple of months to, to to pick up again and maybe uh, that would be something that in in the coming few months could could, could sort of dovetail with with higher wages um, I I think certainly think that that's possible uh, probably not on a year over year basis but I think on a month to month basis I wouldn't be surprised to see an acceleration in PCE growth um, you know it's we had some one time factors that weighed on inflation early in the spring. We had pharmaceutical prices. Uh, we had cell phone plans uh, that were, were falling in price, and, and so those those weighed on inflation. Those, I think, are largely transitory. We will see stronger inflation in the second half of, of 2017. Uh, and so I think that there's certainly, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to get a 0.2% reading on both core and overall PCE uh, for, for July. Yeah, it's funny talking about inflation, and Gus, you mentioned this Right at the beginning, we were talking about wages within the wages that would be reported within a jobs report. And you said that, you know, wages are growing faster than inflation, which is good. And it sort of sets up that this almost uh, this friction, this contradiction here where, you know, everybody wants to see higher inflation, probably except for people who are actually working and need paychecks. Um, on the other hand, I think that if inflation picks up, we're also likely to see wage growth pick up as well. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a kind of a chicken and egg kind of thing and the yeah. two go hand in hand. Uh, so uh, I, I think that stronger wage growth could in turn lead to spark stronger inflation. I think that's what the Federal Reserve would really like to see is a little bit stronger wage growth, a little bit stronger inflation, uh, and that would move it towards their their 2% goal. I mean, all of this sort of points to the fact that we've been sort of promised that this, this liftoff, this economic liftoff would be happening once we got a labor market that's as strong as it is in many respects, but yet you still have sort of mediocre wage growth. You still have inflation that's below 2%. I mean, are we... Are we ever going to get this economic liftoff during this 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 cycle? Or what what would you yeah. see on that front? Yeah, no, I I do think we're going to get that. Um, you know, it's been a long time coming. I don't want to sugarcoat things, but I do think that the uh, fundamentals are in place for an acceleration in wage growth and an acceleration in inflation. So I think the longer the unemployment rate r- remains between four and four and a half percent, the more we see businesses competing for workers. Uh, you know, I think we will see that stronger r- wage growth towards the end of this year, and, the, and that in turn is going to help push inflation higher. Gus, is there anything else that you're looking for this week? Anything else that that's on your radar? 
Um, you know, I, I think we do get uh, construction spending at the end of the week. Uh, we're expecting to see a, a half of gain of a half of a percent there, and, and an upward revision to July as well when you saw spending actually decline. Um, you know, you look at commercial construction uh, that's doing well. Uh, you look at, at home building, kind of you know, it's been bouncing back and forth, but the general trend there is upward. And so I think that more generally that construction is going to be a positive for economic growth in the second half of 2017. All right. Uh, Gus Fauché is chief economist at PNC Financial Services Group. Gus, I appreciate you spending some time with us. Sure thing. And I just want to correct one thing that I said, which is GDP growth was actually 1.2% in the second quarter. Oh, okay. 1.2. All right. Good. So you got it. Yep. <laughs> so good. All right. Listen, Gus, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure thing. Thank you. And folks, don't go away. We are talking about the week ahead. And if you are in the Texas area, you, of course, know what we're going to talk about next. But if you don't, you should stay tuned anyhow. This is the Week Ahead podcast. You are listening to The Wall Street Journal. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. <laughs> Learn about adopting a team from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. For more insights, enable the Wall Street Journal skill on any device with Amazon Alexa. Get all of our podcasts, as well as the latest news and market updates. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Welcome back to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. Paul Vini here with Ben Eisen co-hosting. And we are joined now by Stephanie Yang and Allison Sider, Wall Street Journal reporters on the Energy Beat. And, and we have to admit something to you here, folks, before we even get into this. Uh, we are recording this before Hurricane Harvey actually makes landfall along the Gulf Coast. But, of course, we all know it is going to have an effect on the energy industry, especially is what we want to talk about right now. So, Allison and Stephanie, you've been covering this, following it, writing about it. Uh, I know I'm putting you a little bit on the spot, but what do we – like? I guess the, the, the real question, what does the energy industry actually look like now compared to, say, the last time a hurricane hit? And, and by now, Monday. <laughs> and by now, Paint Monday, the picture yes. of Monday for us. Yeah, right. <laughs> so one of the most remarkable things about the market reaction, you know, when this tropical storm became a hurricane on its way to Texas is that, you know, we saw crude prices drop mainly because of what we know about the energy industry after post-shale revolution in that we have a lot of crude oil sitting around in storage. So even though there is some production that's going to be affected, no one's worried about, you know, a lack of crude oil. But we did see gasoline prices rise because a lot of these refiners are going to be impacted. Some companies have already talked about shutting down their operations. Ali, you're covering the market. Though. I don't know if there's anything Yeah, I mean, else. I think what's really changed, you know, the last time a hurricane hit Texas was in 2008. It was Hurricane Ike. And even the last time there was a major hurricane in the Gulf was 2012. And since then, um, the Gulf of Mexico is just less important um, as a driver of U.S. production with the advances that have allowed companies to tap shale formations, a lot of both oil and natural gas production have moved onshore. Hmm. Companies shut in production in the Gulf the way they always do ahead of a storm to, you know, to be prepared. Uh, but the market isn't having the same reaction. You know, ahead of Katrina, 
in 2005, prices really spiked because there was a big source of production just being disrupted. And the disruption is likely to happen again. It's just not as big a factor. Right. And I think that's going to surprise a lot of people. I know when I was first reading your story and I saw you said prices went down, I thought, oh, that's odd. You know, historically, Mm -hmm. you're used to hurricanes going to come going to hit the coast. It's going to affect the energy industry. Price is going to spike up. Right. I'm going to be paying more for gas. Well, there is still a chance you're going to be paying more for gas. A lot of refiners. Damn, yeah. The, the Gulf Coast is also a major refining center, and there are a handful, three or four refineries that have taken their plants offline. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing uh, gasoline prices go up because there are worries about shortages. Um, I know folks in Texas are being advised to sort of fill up your tank, so there wow. might be some stations that are running out. I think the other difference now from a couple of years ago is that we're net exporters of fuel. So um, the gasoline that gets produced on the Gulf Coast now is you know sent out you know into the global market. Mm-hmm. So Refiners going offline will have an impact on prices, but we have a lot more fuel sloshing around in the U.S. Yeah, you know, one thing that that, that, that I, I'm curious is, uh, you know, how how does this sort of get priced into the market, sort of in the days ahead of time? Have we seen this being priced in for weeks, for days? And then how does that adjust itself as the storm hits? There was some talk, oh, keep an eye on this tropical storm that's approaching, um, but it didn't really turn into an issue until Thursday, and so. That's when you saw prices really react? Yeah. I mean, I think when the uh, National Hurricane Center put out its forecast that this actually was looking like it was going to become a hurricane, the market reacted uh, on Thursday, the market reacted really strongly. If it just sort of rains for days and dumps a lot of water on the area, you could see the impact of the storm kind of spread. And it's also worth noting that this kind of thing, you know, a hurricane hitting Texas hasn't happened since 2008. And so it's been a while since the industry's had to deal with it. And so I think there is also a little bit of that prompting some panic and people wondering, you know, what exactly is the impact going to be? Yeah, that, that was something I wanted to ask you about. Is is Does the industry have, has, there's sort of the way they prepare for these things, has that changed? Have Are they generally kind of, you know, more on the stick about these things? Or how do they respond when they, you know, get these weather reports? I think they tend to be pretty cautious, um, especially following the experience of Katrina and Rita when platforms in the Gulf right, were exactly, like just destroyed. Right. And, and a lot of the refineries that were damaged in that storm were offline for months, you know, well into 2006. So I think those experiences have made the industry a lot more cautious and a lot more, um, you know, quick to sort of evacuate or, or shut in operations mm-hmm. if there there's a fear there will be an impact. And and Ali, you you used to be in the Houston bureau, right? If yes, I'm not yeah. mistaken. So is there uh, you have a sense of like what the sentiment is sort of beyond the oil market? Yeah, well like Stephanie was saying, this sort of um, you know, it was kind of brewing for a while, but I'm not sure that anyone was aware of how serious the storm was going to be until Thursday or, and right. Friday. But I think lots of reports of bare grocery store shelves, bread and milk, as they often do, and, and wine, of course. The roads in Houston often flood, even when there's just a little bit of rain. Right. Yeah, it's going to be bad. And I mean, uh, up here, we had Sandy a couple of years ago, and that was a pretty bad storm with a lot of flooding. And, and you know, so we're... We're thinking about our, uh, our our fellow citizens down in Texas, and we hope everyone is safe, and we hope everyone does okay. And so we'll be watching from up here, watching the effect on the energy market, especially possibly depending on, on how serious this does end up being. It, it could cut into GDP a little bit. You might see a noticeable impact on that. Uh, and then I wonder, Ben, do you think there'll be a broader market impact? 
Um, I mean, it's hard to say. Well, you'll be writing but... about it, I'm sure, on Monday. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I know in Houston, uh, after a storm, you always see a lot of new cars on the road. So I guess that's one knock-on effect. There you go, fair. Allie. There you go. <laughs> All right, Alice Insider, Stephanie Yang, thank you both for coming in and spending a few minutes with us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Ben Eisen, thank you for sitting in the Steve Grosser chair. It was much appreciated. Yeah, thanks, Paul. It was an honor to be a co-host, first-time co-host, long-time listener. Yeah, you're moving up in the world. Yeah, I know right. you're. You know, you got a lot of friends. Well, you have a lot of friends that listen to this podcast. So you, I think you, I think you affect our numbers. That's why we <laughs> had to bring you on. Yeah, that's it. You're like the hot young kid who has the big following, so we got to get you in more. (laughs) Brought in listeners number five and six and (laughs) seven. Just kidding. (laughs) All right, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll catch up with you soon.